Hi, I'm Liz, and welcome to Hard Homework. So there are a lot of places right now to process facts, but there's not that many spaces that are helping us process our feelings. And that's what this podcast is all about. So last week we talked about the six stages of grief. And and so last week's episode was about denial. And today we're going to be talking about the second stage of grief, which is anger. In our society, there are many ways that we view emotions, right? There are certain emotions that we view positively and other ones that we view a little bit more negatively. Um, and, and anger is certainly falls into that second bucket. We're, we're often uncomfortable with uh, other people expressing anger. We're often uncomfortable when we express our own anger. We're uncomfortable uh, very often when that emotion shows up in our bodies. Um, and but but here's the thing, actually, there's there's actually no such thing as a wrong emotion. Um, there's nothing wrong with anger. Anger is actually just like any other emotion. It's a message. And it usually actually means that there's a boundary that's been crossed and that needs to be um, communicated. So, So anger is not a problem. Anger is a signal. And it's how we choose to express it that actually is the thing that tends to get us into trouble. So for example, many of us are angry right now. Um, some of us are angry because we can't leave our homes if we're non-essential. Uh, and for the heroes who are listening, you might be angry because you don't have the privilege to stay at home. So they're big and they're small things that we are all angry about, things that we share. And, and as much as possible, we want to actually feel that anger. Uh, you know, as Dr. Brene Brown reminds us, there's no ranking of pain and of suffering. And there's certainly no ranking of pain and suffering here. So just because you didn't get sick, um, just because you didn't lose someone that you love, or just because you didn't lose your job, it doesn't mean that you're not allowed to feel angry right now. Anger, like any other emotion, actually desperately wants to be felt. And it isn't just me saying this, there are actually real biological consequences to anger suppression. It can lead to higher levels of autonomic reactivity to stress, which is basically the cadence at which your body physiologically reacts to a stressor. So, you know, there are studies that link anger suppression to hypertension, to coronary artery disease, and, and even cancer. So if you suppress your anger periodically, it actually doesn't doesn't go away. Um, it it just gets stored. Um, so whatever emotions you're not processing uh, remain in the body. And so anger is like cancer. Um, you really do want to catch it early, or else uh, it can spread to other places um, where it it doesn't have to spread to. So. So this is the topic, uh, the fun topic for today. I promise it will be fun. Uh, we are joined by my dream guest, really. Uh, I'm, I'm really jazzed to be joined by, by my dear friend, actor, rapper, and activist, Riz Ahmed. You may know him from Hollywood blockbuster films like Star Wars or several beloved shows like The Night Of and Girls, uh, for which he has actually won Emmys with an S. Um, he made history and became the first Asian male to win an acting Emmy and just released a phenomenal new album that's entitled The Last Goodbye. In a glowing review from Pitchfork, 
Uh, they write that the long goodbye is a compelling, unapologetic account of what it feels to be brown and British in 2020, and that you may be heartbroken, but you're not a victim. And that the tide turns on the second half of the album as Ahmed progresses from anger and bargaining to acceptance. So you were already my dream guest, but once I read your album seems to follow the stages of my actual grief. Um, I sort of knew it was it, it was destiny. So thank you so much for being here with us. And thank you. You know, my first question is, and I'm actually interested in the real answer, which is, how are you? Mm, I'm up and down, I think, like most people probably. Um, I think this is quite an unprecedented event um, that's kind of overwhelming to process. And perhaps we won't be able to process it. We can't quite find the edges of this thing that we're in the middle of right now. Perhaps it'll be for you know, years to come to provide the perspective um, for us to digest it and to understand what's happening. And perhaps it'll be for later generations. It's strange, isn't it? Because I remember not so long ago, it was the kind of, you know, the mid 90s and people and economists were talking about the end of history. And then, of course, you had 9-11 and the 21st century was shaping up to be, okay, it's just getting kind of eventful. Maybe, uh, maybe there's something else going on here. And then the coronavirus pandemic has has just kind of taken all our plans and mm. and put them you know in perspective and and shown us what they really are which is at the mercy of kind of big you know things that we can't control i, I guess it's just a real lesson in control and humility and surrender um and I guess I'm pinballing between two different things a lot. One is this kind of fear and anxiety and dread. And the other thing is a feeling of being incredibly connected to the rest of humanity, incredibly grateful for very simple things in my life and incredibly grounded in the elements of my life that I'd always kind of previously seen as inconveniences, like having to feed myself, you know, which before was like, you know, let's just throw something in a blender, throw it down my neck and then back to what really matters, which is work. And now with all of that being stripped away, all those labels, all those those validators being stripped away, I'm no longer a rapper. I'm no longer an actor. I'm a human being. And that's what we mm. all are right now in our basic state. So I feel um, a mixture of, of things, I think, like most people. Yeah. It seems like you're doing using this time to do a lot of 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 reflecting and and you know the I really want to reflect on 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 one emotion particularly today which is anger um, with you because uh, well, well first of all one of my favorite books I, a lot of people have been reading a lot of books <laughs> during this time and one of my favorite books of the year is The Courage to Be Disliked and um, it is written by Japanese authors uh, Fumitake Koga and Ishiro Kishimi and they talk about the purpose of anger and why we feel it. And so they don't see anger as necessarily uh, an emotion, but rather as, as a tool. So anger is not necessarily a loss of control. It's an attempt to mm. regain that control over someone or something else. Um, and so in, you know, in other words, you don't shout because you're angry, you get angry so that you can shout. So mm. I'm curious if there was a moment in, in your life um, where anger was a tool rather than a, an, an emotion. Mm. It's a really interesting way of framing it, right? So that anger mm. isn't isn't a kind of side effect. It isn't the kind of like electron that gets emitted from the reaction or whatever. It's actually it's the spur to action. It's a it's a <clears throat> it's a catalyst to action. Mm. 
which I think is, is super interesting. I just wanted to kind of take a step back to just ask you, just for me, someone who's super, uh, you know, one-on-one uh, psychology kind of question, which is, you know, in the terms of the stages of grief, do they always follow the same sequence or could no. you kind of pinball between these different emotions like denial, bargaining, anger, de- you know, depression? I'm actually not sure fully what, yes. what those stages are, but. That, that's a great question. And it absolutely is not a linear progression, just like right. any kind of recovery or, or really process in our life. Um, it is it is not linear. And, and you can go back a stage and then go forward two stages and come back mm. to denial. Um, so it is it is a normal, actually, to even once you've passed, let's say, the bargaining stage or even once you've reached a, acceptance. Um, I, I feel like myself in the last 40 days, I've pivoted. I've, I thought I'd reached acceptance and even meaning but then mm. came back to to sadness or anger so so, yeah. so definitely yeah i'm wondering if it's a yeah it's the stages of grief or it's the cycle of grief mm-hmm. um the, you know the hamster wheel of grief it feels like yeah, right now because i feel term. like every every day there is some acceptance mm. and and some kind of renewal that's come out of that acceptance and, and a, mm. some positive shifts and then there's also kind of like just being really pissed at my refrigerator or there's like, or pissed at the world or our leaders or, you know, yeah. it goes back and forth. I, I don't know. I guess I, for some reason, I feel like anger hasn't featured um, in a big way. In my response to the pandemic mm. right now, um, I think it, it's, it kind of spikes, it comes and goes, but I think that's probably more, um, more about just the way that I experience anger, which is, I think I've been, historically quick to get angry and very quick to calm down as well and um and and thinking about you know it's interesting because i've i've been encouraged to think of anger as always being a kind of mistake and putting a foot wrong so this Mm. kind of positive reframe of it as something that's a kind of necessary tool is um is is super interesting but but if i kind of were to mark the origin of that of that pattern i'd say it's my teenage years Mm. I'd say is in my teenage years when you're kind of in that 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 pocket, you know, 14 to 18. We used to call it like the jackable age. You're going to get jacked at some point. Someone's going to try it on with you. I would say that that's where anger was a tool for me in an environment that was hyper masculine, that was um, often, you know, the possibility of physical confrontation was 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 um, was present. And yeah, I guess it was that kind of late 90s early 2000s um you know just turning 17 18 and in that kind of london british asian kind of rude boy scene that that Mm -hmm. i and my brother and my cousins kind of found ourselves in um and in that in that environment i kind of feel like it uh, at least at the time i certainly felt like i needed that i needed that anger you know so yeah so are, if I'm understanding correctly, it seems like for, for you and generally for, for men, anger becomes a mask for fear or a mask to cover up fear. I guess for me, when, when I'm thinking about when I've gotten angry and still when I get angry, the emotion either side of it is usually shame. Mm. You know, it's usually anger is the filling in a kind of shame sandwich. 
you know, you've been shamed or humiliated or put down in some way, or you feel like as you were kind of, you know, when you, when you email me a little bit about this, you're talking about control, you feel like you've lost control of a situation and there's something belittling about that. And then that spikes the kind of desire to want to control, which is what the anger is hopefully trying to catalyze you to try and do. Mm-hmm. However misguided that is, I think it's usually very misguided. Um, and as the anger recedes in the rearview mirror, the emotion I'm often left with is again, the feeling of shame, mm-hmm. you know, um, so I, in terms yeah, of what's behind the anger, I, I often think of of that. But yeah, shame, fear, yeah. they're all like so interlinked, right? All the, all and, the good stuff. Yeah. And, and it seems like they're justified. You know, if, if you think about interactions with men or between men that you're that you're describing, you know, basically anger is usually an expression of a boundary that's been crossed. So it can be an emotional boundary, it could be, you know, when we're resentful at even our family or our coworkers or our partners, it's that they've crossed a boundary and maybe we haven't expressed that boundary, but mm. often it can, you know, if you're living in a marginalized environment, if you're living in a unpredictable environment, those boundaries can actually be crossed. And so if you don't feel like there is a safety uh, for you to be vulnerable in that situation, you're, you are going to act out of anger um, or it, it would be sort of rational for you to do that. And I think the flip side is also um, that, you know, while men are expected to be angry, not all male anger is treated the same. So the anger of immigrant men, of black and brown men um, is treated very differently uh, than the anger of, of mm. white men. And your own anger has been, you know, censored. Your your song Post 9-11 Blues uh, was actually banned in radio stations at one point in the UK. So um, how do you deal with the way that your anger is at once something that you're trying to contain, but that's also being strained or contained by a culture that's uncomfortable with it. It's really interesting you should say this because it's often, um, yes, there, there may be an issue with how um, permissible it is for black and brown men to express their their anger. That, that certainly is an issue. But I also think there's an issue with um, black and brown men's, you know, anger uh, expression self-expression being read as anger mm. you know i think that there, there may be a cultural component to this to some extent if you, you know i was um went on a short walk socially distanced walk the other day with a mask on and um you know i saw somewhere in the park was as an italian guy was talking on the phone and he was you know wildly gesticulating his arms and you know incredibly expressive voice now in some perhaps more reserved Anglo, Anglo-Saxon settings, you know, that might be taken to have been very aggressive or he may have been taken to be an angry person. And I think that there is um, a different kind of neutral sometimes for different cultures. I think perhaps, and, you know, and I don't just mean kind of um, ethnic cultures, I mean in terms of class as well. If you live in a household with lots of people in a house, it's often going to be a noisy household. You might have to raise your voice to, to make yourself heard. So I do think that along the axes of class and culture, you actually have a different neutral for what like a normal way of expressing yourself yeah. um, is thought to be. And yeah. it's sometimes my neutral might be read as someone else's six out of 10. Why is that guy pissed? Mm-hmm. Now, as much as I'm aware of that and actually socializing in different kind of settings and classes and cultures made me more aware of that, I actually kind of don't want to um, edit my authentic self-expression because mm-hmm. when I do that, I'm actually just putting, swapping out one mask for another, you know, mm-hmm. there may be the kind of mask yeah. of anger that I've been socialized into by the, by the world and, you know, by prejudices and by feeling like an imposter. 
but I don't want to just swap it out for another mask that kind of like hems me in. And it's been quite interesting actually to see that the Long Goodbye album that you mentioned at the start of your yeah. introduction, that's an album about heartbreak. Yeah. And it's been very interesting to see that that's been read and reviewed consistently as a very angry album when it's mm -hmm. actually my attempt at expressing vulnerability. This is an album saying, fuck you, I hate you, Britain, because it's a breakup album about breaking up with the country you call home. It's very often I'm saying, um, hey, you broke my heart. Am I worthless? You don't care about me? Like what? What did I do wrong? I think that there is some work to be done by other people, not black and brown men, in terms of how their emotional expression is read. Um, you know, sometimes you can have this thing called like race blindness. If you haven't seen a lot of East Asian people, then you find it difficult to like kind of distinguish between their features. I think there's also an emotional blindness when it comes to reading black and brown men, where any kind of enthusiasm, passion, conviction can be read immediately as as dangerous and aggressive. And I think that's not surprising when you look at the narratives that we have in our culture around black and brown men, which are very, very often, you know, uh, putting forward aggressive archetypes. You know, so it's Ramadan right now. It's the first, the first day of Ramadan. And, you know, interestingly, a big part of Ramadan is about not losing your temper. You don't eat, you don't drink, you abstain from sex, from lying, and you don't get angry. And it's, it's such a kind of core principle of Islam. You know, um, I mean, the, the, the uh, uh, you know, the, a Bedouin once came and asked the Prophet Muhammad, um, you know, what is the essence of um, wisdom? And the Prophet Muhammad said, don't lose your temper. And he asked him again, yeah, but what's a prophet? What's the essence of wisdom? And he said, don't lose your temper. And he asked it again and he said, don't lose your temper. And he goes, you know, this man speaks the truth. He's a prophet of God. I believe him. You know, it's this kind of, it's such a core belief. So I don't know. Um, it's really interesting that, that they, that the way that we express ourselves is often read as anger. Um, yeah. or that there's, there's this assumption that, um, anger plays a different role in, in Muslim culture, for example, if you were to believe so many of the archetypal narratives that we see in Western media, when actually, particularly in this moment of Ramadan, um, you know, I'm reminded of the fact that not losing your temper is such a massive part of Islamic teaching. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it probably is that there's discomfort by white people from the pain of, of, of black and brown, you know, men, but, but, but people generally expressing emotion because that expression of heartbreak, that expression of sadness, that expression of, you know, all of the things that, that, that you've been talking about, um, that means that implies that there needs to be action and yeah, right. there's something wrong. And I think that it's easier perhaps for some white people to just view that, view that as angry, discount it, as anger so that they don't have to actually get to the core of what this means and, and what needs to change. Yeah. Very, 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 very well said. Um, so I want to get it. Do you want to do some heart homework together? Sure. Do you yeah. want to do some heart homework on, on, on anger? Right. Um, so basically, you know, the danger of unexpressed anger is that it can be bad for you, right? Because anger without action can equal resentment or, again, it just seeps out in different ways. Um, so I wanted to see if you wanted to do a lightning round of questions. And, uh, who, you know, people listening at home, we encourage you to do this, too. And as usual, just grabbing a piece of paper uh, and a pen. Okay, so I'm going to ask you six questions, and I want you to write the answers to them. 
and then I'm gonna write the answers too, and then we're gonna we're gonna share them with each other. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Three, two, one. Okay. Riz, what is the last thing that you were angry about? Okay. Good. And it can be one word. It can be a whole, you know, letter, um, whatever you, you know, comes out of you. Um, So question number two, what is the first thing that you ever remember being angry about? So the first memory of anger. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, What are you angry about? that you wish you weren't angry about? Mm-hmm. Um, question number four, what do you think is the opposite of anger? Okay. <laughs> you ready? Yeah. Um, do you think that there's something that makes us both angry? Both of us? Mm-hmm, the two of us. Yeah. Okay, uh, and now the last question. Is there something that you're angry about that you wish you could let go of? You ready? Do wow, you this is great. This is like a free therapy session. This is so good. <laughs> you and me both, man. You and me both. Um, did you enjoy writing these? Yeah, Was I did. It- it's really interesting. Did you learn? What did you learn? Do you want to share? Do you want to share them with us? So. And you can obviously pass if there's if there's one no, you no, want to keep good. for yourself. Um, so what's the last thing you were angry about, Riz? Online shopping. <laughs> At you, yourself for online well, shopping. I was just angry, just concept. like you know when you like yeah. So so right now it's really hard to get delivery slots for a lot of the supermarkets and the grocery stores for uh-huh. food right now. And so the websites get overwhelmed and you lose your delivery yeah. slot and then yeah. you're like in a long queue for like 12 hours and then you get yeah. to the top of the queue and then it fails. And I got I got pretty angry at that, which is such a ridiculous thing. It's a shameful thing to get angry at because I'm in a position of privilege to be able to afford online groceries. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in the position of privilege to be able to self-isolate at home. Um, mm-hmm. So... But as yeah, Brene Brown has taught us, we, we yeah. don't rank our pain. We don't rank our suffering here. We don't do that. You okay. are allowed to be frustrated by the I fact that you cannot leave your house. What? Yeah, I was pretty pissed about it. I was like, well, yeah. I've been waiting to get in front of this queue, and then it didn't work out. So Yeah, yeah. that's that very was... frustrating. I've experienced the same thing. Um, question number two was, what is the first thing that you ever remember being angry about? I wrote losing at sports to my brother. Oh, <laughs> what was the sport? What were probably you guys doing? Probably soccer, probably soccer yeah. in the back garden or basketball. He's older than me. He's bigger than me. He always won. I was a really, really sore loser. Mm. I always, I insisted that he cheated in some way by, 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 by pushing me, by being physically, that's cheating to be shoving yeah. me around like and just feeling really uh, angry and sad, usually having some kind of tantrum as a kid. Oh, me too. I had so many tantrums. I was so emotional. I, I was very yeah. dramatic. I think it's the, it, this was your older brother? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it, I, might, I remember also being so angry at my older sister and pe- feeling so devastated that like, I, I just wanted us to be friends. You know, I wanted her to like me, but she mm. just continuously like, yeah, just the, the worst, like just, uh, 
picked on me, would fight with me. Um, and, and now we're the bestest of friends, but yeah, I can, I can relate. I wrote, um, I wrote that I was really mad about, uh, there was an art kit I really wanted. It's a whole inside joke in my family. We still will reference the art kit. It was $20. I remember the price because I was in kindergarten and my, I, every day I brought up the art kit every day. I was like, can I get, the, can I get an art kit? Can I get an art kit? They were selling it at my kindergarten and everyone had one. And finally, after many months, my parents gave in and I got the $20 art kit Yay. and it was amazing. It had markers, it had pastels, it had like little tiny Get scissors, it. little tiny glue. <laughs> um, okay, question number three, what are you angry about and that you wish you weren't angry about? Um, my, my output or level of productivity. Oh, dude, I feel you. I think that's something that a lot of people are dealing with right now because yeah. our, our whole society has been geared towards, t you know, workaholism, really. And mm -hmm. so now that that's been stripped away from us, we're just very much aware that how much of our sense of self-worth yes. and purpose is tied to this totally arbitrary thing yeah. that is not a core thing. You know, we're just connected to very core things right now. Um and so I'm just, I guess I'm becoming increasingly aware of that broken record in my head and how that engine is still running even without any gas to put in it, without any work to put in it. Still, like, yeah. you should be doing more. It's like, well, what do you want me to do? The whole planet yeah. stopped. Like, leave me alone. <laughs> There's literally nothing I can do. Yeah. There's literally nothing I can do. That's so, I, I think that's so true. And, and we've had many conversations about this. I, I realized how much I was focused, output, 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 and, and that you, yeah, there's no water left in an empty glass. Like even what I was creating, I, I think couldn't be as bright and as sparkly as I would want it to be because I, I was running on an empty tank. And I, I mean, our entire society is, right? We, we are working far more than we used to. And we're actually less productive than we used to be. So oh, wow. that tells you, yeah, it's, there's a really interesting axis that goes in inverse ways that's pretty striking. Um, and I think it speaks to this idea of like busy has become a personality or like an identity. Mm. Um, and, but it doesn't mean that you're actually being productive. Uh, if, if, if that is the measure that you want to use in, in terms of, you know, out of many measures that I think we should have in terms of how to, how we mm -hmm, feel. Mm -hmm. um, so that's interesting. I feel this, I feel the exact same way I put. Yeah. Like that. I am angry at myself for failing. Uh, and I wish I, yeah, I wish I wasn't. And I, and I feel what you're saying in a, in a real way. Um, so when I feel like I'm not being productive, I will think of you because you feel like the most productive human I've ever met. Okay. What is the, opposite of anger for you what came up i mean i wrote love yeah um I mean, too. i guess it love is like an umbrella term for lots of different qualities it's like this cluster cloud of this like acceptance and non-judgment and curiosity mm. and generosity and humility mm. and and i think that any of those ingredients is probably a good candidate for being the opposite but i thought you know love but I guess, yeah. I mean, can love be the opposite to both of both hate and anger yeah. and all these things? It's kind of like a weird one, right? Yeah. Love, love kind of is the opposite to a lot of things and also yeah. contains a lot of things. Maybe it's a cop out to answer um, love, but it, it struck me as immediately as a strong candidate. 
I, I totally agree. Yeah. I put love, I put acceptance and I put grace actually. Cause I feel like grace mm. is something I've been trying to do more of. And, and sometimes grace means that you realize that being angry at someone or again, that revenge thing you were talking about, right. Of, of feeling um, like not forgiving, right. Like not forgiving someone um, is like, what's that uh, quote? that it's like drinking rat poison and thinking that it'll make you feel better. Right. That like mm. being angry at someone and, and, and holding on to resentment some somehow makes your life better, but it just, it means that they did the thing and that you carry it instead mm. of they just did the thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but that's really obviously um, I think a, a struggle um, for all of us, but yeah, learning to forgive more is something I'm trying to do um mm-hmm. our, you know ourselves but also other people so mm-hmm. it does leave you lighter doesn't it like when you forgive does. someone it just kind of like you just send it off into the sky it's like that's yes. not my bad energy anymore yeah it's not yours it, it actually isn't you know um unless you choose to hold on to it mm. um so question number five do you think that there's oh do you think that there's something that makes us both angry yeah, I mean, it's pretty, it's kind of a generic answer, but I wrote systems of privilege or injustice. Yeah, I wrote it that I wrote injustice. And I wrote uh, the fact that we're not at your concert um, in LA. Uh, <laughs> we planned a few weeks ago, or last week, actually. I mean, time has gone by so yeah, weirdly. Yeah. Um, I was, I had tickets, I was excited. Um, and I'm excited to, to come back uh, with you um, when, when things go back to Fingers normal. Fingers crossed. They will. Um, okay, the last question, which I think is, yeah, very crucial. Is there something that you're angry about that you wish that you could let go of? I wrote C above, um, as in systems mm. of societal privilege slash injustice. Because I think, um, you know, anger, it's really interesting how you framed anger as a tool, because I think it is a spur to action, it is a catalyzer. But I don't want anger to be the place that we act from yeah you know if it gets us on the horse then that's one thing but we can't ride anger to anywhere good i think um thinking again about you know some kind of stories in the islamic tradition and imam ali um who's one of the kind of you know companions of the prophet and um and his son-in-law he was once on the battlefield and there was you know, a big battle going on and he was about to kind of strike down his enemy. And just at the moment when he was about to you know, vanquish this person, he spat on Ali. And mm-hmm. Ali immediately put his sword away and walked away. And people asked him, why did you not kill him? This person was trying to you know, kill you and kill us. Yeah. And he said, um, before I was doing it for a higher purpose, I was doing it for God, I was doing it for justice. But if I killed him after that, it would have been for me. It would have been for my ego. I would have been acting out of anger. Mm. I think it's really interesting, isn't it? Kind of as we try and forgive certain emotions as not being all bad and saying, actually, even something like anger is a tool. We have to still kind of demarcate the, 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 the zone of usefulness right yeah. for anger and i think if if anger can like make you sit up get you there the demonstration you know yeah. you know be a spur to action that's one thing but i don't think it's it's the place of action i don't think it's the thing yeah. that you act with and sometimes i find that 
the yeah. totally understandable anger I might feel about the state of the world might bleed into how I try and engage with those problems. You know, yeah. how I might try and shout down or criticize or rather than it's the hardest thing in the world to do rather than leading with love. Yeah. You know, it's very hard to love someone who wants you dead, you know, who yeah. wants you out. Um, but I do feel that if Corona is teaching us anything, it's that we need to build a more compassionate world. And that's got to start from us, you know. Yeah. And that no one wants to, you know, first of all, if they're screaming and then you're screaming, you're both screaming. Um, and, and that, you know, no one wants to join a movement that is, I think, rooted in 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 not negativity because I don't want to say anger is a, a negativity but I, I I'm, I'm just so in agreement with what you're saying where it's like yeah anger should be what gets you in the car but don't let it drive the car right like <laughs> put it in the the back seat or put it on the passenger seat and and make sure that you um with uh, again yeah intentions of 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 love and forgiveness and 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 self-compassion and compassion for others is is what's actually driving um, that car mm-hmm. um so so basically your take it home homework riz <laughs> and people listening this week is to write okay. a letter to your anger about whatever answer you wrote in that last question you know the the best way to really honor our anger is is i think to listen to her um so so grab a piece of paper, grab a pen. You can do it now. You can do it later and, and just start writing and, and see where it sort of takes you. And, 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 and then hopefully by putting sort of pen to paper, you can, you can let go of it and, and be free from it and, and act from a place of, of, of freedom rather than, than, than fear of, of that anger. Thank you. That's beautiful homework. I I hope we can uh, both do it and share it with each other. And um, I am just so grateful. I'm I'm so so grateful to you. you. (laughs) No, thank you for having me on the show. And thank you for everything you do, everything you write, everything you say. I think you've just found such an amazing way of actually embodying those values, actually, of not leading with anger and leading with compassion and understanding and addressing patriarchy and and, and so many of the injustices in the world. So you're you're kind of embodying that approach. And uh, I think we're all the richer for it. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Heart Hallmark. Next week, you will want to tune in because we are talking about bargaining. Yes, it is a big one. We all do it. And uh, we will be having this conversation with actress, producer, and co-host of one of my favorite podcasts, Armchair Expert. Um, Her name is Monica Padman, and she will be joining us next week. See you then. Heart Homework is created and written by me, Liz Plank, and is produced by Ashley Bearden. If you enjoyed this podcast, please go rate and review it. We mean it. We want to bring as much emotional support um, to as many people as possible. And so it really helps if you rate and review this podcast so that um, as many people as possible see it.